Chapter 17 Breathing and Exchange of Gases Now, before I start this podcast, before I start this episode, I would like to say something. That is, you should open your book before listening to this podcast. You should read simultaneously while listening to this podcast. Thank you. Breathing and exchange of gases. As you have read earlier, oxygen is utilized by the organisms to indirectly break down simple molecules like glucose, amino acids, fats, fatty acids, etc. to drive energy to form form various activities or to perform various activities. Carbon dioxide which is harmful is also released during the above catabolic process. It is therefore evident that O2 has to be continuously provided to the cells and CO2 produced by uh, by the cells have to be released out. This process of exchange of O2 from the atmosphere with CO2 produced by cells is called breathing, commonly known as respiration. Place your hand on your chest. You can feel the chest moving up and down. You know that it is due to the breathing. How do we breathe? The respiratory organs and the mechanisms of breathing are described in following sections of this chapter. Respiratory organs. Mechanisms of breathing vary among different groups of animals depending mainly on their habitat and level of organization. Lower invertebrates like sponges, cholenterates, flatworms, etc. exchange O2 with CO2 by simple diffusion over their entire body surface. Earthworms use their moist cuticles and insects have a network of tubes to transport atmospheric air within the body. Spatial vascularized structures called gills, brachial respiration, are used by most of the aquatic arthropods and mollusks, whereas vascularized bags called lungs, pulmonary respiration, are used by the terrestrial forms for the exchange of gases. Among vertebrates, fishes use gills, whereas amphibians, reptiles, birds, and mammals respire through lungs. Amphibians like frogs can respire through their moist skin, cutaneous respiration also. Human respiratory system. We have a pair of external nostrils opening out above the upper lip. It leads to the to a nasal chamber through uh, through the nasal passage. The nasal chamber opens into the pharynx, a portion of which is the common passage for food and air. 
the pharynx opens through the larynx region into the trachea larynx is a cartilaginous bo uh, box which helps in sound production and hence called the sound box during swallowing glottis can be covered by a thin elastic cartilaginous flap called epiglottis to prevent the entry of food into the larynx trachea is a straight uh, tube extending up to the mid thoracic cavity which divides at the level of fifth thoracic vertebra into a right and left primary bronchi each bronchi undergoes repeated divisions to form the secondary and tertiary bronchi and bronchioles ending up in very thin terminal bronchioles the trachea primary secondary and tertiary bronchi and initial bronchioles are supported by incomplete cartilaginous rings each terminal bronchioles gives rise to the number of very thin irregular walls and vascularized bag like structures called alveoli the branching network of bronchi bronchioles and alveoli comprise the lungs we have two lungs which are covered by a double layered pleura and the with pleural uh, fluid between them it reduces friction on the lung surface the outer pleural membrane is in close contact with the thoracic lining whereas the inner pleural membrane is in contact with the lung surface the part starting with the external nostril up to the terminal bronchioles constitutes the conducting part whereas the alveoli and their ducts form the respiratory or exchange part of the respiratory system the conducting part transports the atmospheric air to alveoli clears it from um, from foreign particles humidifies and also brings the air to bo um, body temperature exchange part is the site of actual diffusion of o2 and co2 between blood and atmospheric air the lungs are situated in the thoracic chamber which is anatomically an air tight chamber the thoracic chamber is formed dorsally by the vertebral column ventrally by the sternum laterally by the ribs and on the lower side by the dome shaped diaphragm the anatomical setup of the lungs in thorax is such that any change in the volume of the thoracic cavity will be reflected in the lungs pulmonary cavity so, uh, such an arrangement is essential for breathing as we cannot directly alter the pulmonary volume respiration involves the following steps number 1 breathing or pulmonary ventilation by uh, by which atmospheric air is drawn in and co2 rich alveolar air is released out number 2 diffusion of gases o2 and co2 across alveolar membrane 
नंबर थ्री ट्रांसपोर्ट ऑफ गैसेज बाई द ब्लड नंबर फोर डिफ्यूजन ऑफ ओ टू एंड सीओ टू बिटवीन ब्लड एंड टिश्यूज नंबर फाइव यूटिलाइजेशन ऑफ ओ टू बाई द सेल्स फॉर कैटाबॉलिक प्रोसेसेस एंड रिजल्ट इन रिलीज ऑफ सीओ टू सेल्यूलर रेस्परेशन एज डेल्थ इन चैप्टर फोर्टीन मेकेजम ऑफ ब्रीदिंग ब्रीदिंग इन्वॉल्व टू स्टेजेस इंस्पिरेशन during which the atmospheric air is drawn in and expiration by which the alveolar air is released out the movement of air into and out of the lungs is carried out by creating a pressure gradient between the lungs and the atmosphere inspiration can occur if the pressure within the lungs that is intrapleural pressure is less than the atmospheric pressure that is there is a negative pressure in the lungs with respect to the atmospheric pressure similarly expiration takes place when the intrapleural pressure is higher than the atmospheric pressure the diaphragm and a special set of muscles external and internal intercostal muscles But, uh, between the ribs help in generation of such gradients inspiration is initiated by the contraction of the diaphragm uh, diaphragm which increases the uh, the volume of thoracic mem- uh, thoracic chambers in the anterior posterior axis the uh, concentration of external intercostal muscles lifts up the re- uh, ribs and the sternum causes an increase in the volume of the thoracic chamber in the dorsal dorsal ventral axis the overall increase in the thoracic volume causes a similar increase in the pulmonary volume an increase in the pulmonary volume decreases the intrapleural pressure to less than the atmospheric pressure which forces the air from the outside to move in, into the lungs that is inspiration figure 17.2a shows inspiration relaxation of the diaphragm and the inter, uh, intercostal muscles returns the diaphragm and uh, sternum to their no- uh, normal positions and reduces the thoracic volume and thereby the pl- uh, pulmonary volume volume this leads to an increase in intrapleural uh, pleurisy pulmonary intrapulmonary uh, pressure to slightly above the atmospheric pressure causing the expulsion of air from uh, from the lungs that is expiration expiration which is given in figure 17.2b we have the ability to increase the strength of inspi- inspiration and expiration with the help of addition muscle, uh, muscles in the abdomen on an average an a healthy human breathes uh, breaths 12 to 16 times per minute the volume of air involved in breathing movement can be sti- uh, sim- uh, estimated by um, using a spirometer which helps in clinical access of pulmonary functions respiratory volumes and capacities 
टाइडल वॉल्यूम वॉल्यूम ऑफ एयर इंस्पायर्ड और एक्सपायर्ड ड्यूरिंग अ नॉर्मल रेस्पिरेशन इट इज अप्रॉक्सीमेटली फाइव हंड्रेड मिली लीटर दैट इज अल्दी मैन कैन इंस्पायर और एक्सपायर अप्रॉक्सीमेटली सिक्स थाउजेंड टू एट थाउजेंड मिली लीटर्स ऑफ एयर पर मिनट इंस्पिरेशनरी रिजर्व वॉल्यूम आई आर additional volume of air a person can inspire by the um, by a forceful inspiration this and uh, this average um, 2500 to 3000 ml expiration re expiratory reserve volume erv additional volume of air a person can expire by a forceful forcible expiration the in this average just uh, up to 1000 to 1100 ml residual volume volume of air remaining in the lungs after even a forcible expiration this averages about 11000 to 1100 to 1200 ml by adding up a few uh, respiratory volumes de uh, described above one can de derive various pulmonary capacities which can be used in clinical diagnosis inspiratory capacity total volume of air a person can inspire after a normal expiration this in includes tidal volume and inspiratory reserve volume expiratory capacity ec total and total volume of air a person can expire after a normal inspiration the uh, this includes tidal volume and expiratory uh, uh, reserve volume tv plus erv functional residual uh, capacity frc volume of air that we, uh, will remain in the lungs after a normal expiration is this this includes erv plus rv tidal capacity sorry it's not tidal capacity it's V uh, vital capacity sorry it should be vital capacity the maximum volume of air a person can breathe in after a forcible <coughs> expiration the uh, this involves erv tv and irv or the maximum volume of air a person can breathe out after a forced inspiration total lung volume uh, capacity plc total volume of air accumulated in the lungs at the end of forced inspiration this involves rv erv tv and irv or vital capacity plus residual volume exchange of gases alveoli are the primary sites of exchange of gases Exchange of gases also occurs between blood and tissues. O2 and CO2 are exchanged in these sites by simple diffusion, mainly based on pressure or concentration gradient. Solubility of gases as well as the thickness of the membrane involved in the diffusion are also some important factors that can affect the rate of diffusion. Process contributed by uh, by an individual gas. Uh, gas in a mixture of gas is called partial pressure and is represented as po2 
for oxygen and PCO2 for carbon dioxide. Partial pressure of these two gases in the atmospheric air and the two sides of diffusion are given in table 70.1 and in figure 17.3. The data given in the table clearly show, uh, indicates a concentration gradient for oxygen from alveoli to blood and blood to tissue. Similarly, a gradient is present in uh, for CO2 in the opposite direction, that is from tissue to blood and blood to alveoli. As the solubility of CO2 in to, uh, is 20 to 25 times higher than that of O2, the amount of CO2 that can diffuse th uh, through the di uh, diffusion mem uh, membrane per unit uh, difference in partial pressure is much higher compared to that of O2. The diffusion membrane is made up of three major layers, namely the thin squamous epithelium of uh, alveoli, the endothelium of alveolar capillaries and the basement membrane which is composed of a thin basement membrane supporting the squamous epithelium and the basement membrane surrounding the uh, single layer endothelial cells of capillaries. In between them, however, its total thickness is much less than a millimeter and therefore all the factors in our body are favorable for diffusion of O2 from alveoli to tissues and that of CO2 from tissues to alveoli. Transport of gas Blood is the medium of transport for O2 and CO2. About 97% of O2 is transported by RBCs in the blood. The remaining 3% of O2 is carried in a dissolved state through the plasma. Nearly 25 to 20 to 25% of CO2 is transported by RBCs, whereas 70% of it is carried out as bicarbonate. About 7% of CO2 is carried out in a dissolved state from through plasma. Transport of Oxygen Hemoglobin is a red-colored iron-containing pigment present in the RBCs. O2 can bind with hemoglobin in a reversible manner to form oxyhemoglobin. Each hemoglobin molecule can carry a maximum of four molecules of O2. Binding of oxygen with the hemoglobin is primarily re uh, related to partial pressure of O2. The partial pressure of CO2, hydro uh, hydrogen ion concentration and temperature are the other factors which can interfere with this binding. A sigmoid graph is obtained when percentage uh, saturation of hemoglobin which with O2 is plotted against the PO2. <laughs> this curve is called the oxygen dissociation curve. Figure 17.5 and uh, 5. 
and is highly used in studying the effects of factors like pCO2, hydrogen concentration, gradient, etc. on binding of O2 with hemoglobin. In the, in the alveoli where they, there is high PO2, low pCO2, lesser H plus ion concentration and lower temperature, the factors are all favorable for the formation of oxyhemoglobin. Whereas in tissues where low PO2, high PCO2, high H plus concentration and higher temperature exists. The, and the conditions are favorable for dissociation of oxygen from the oxyhemoglobin. This clearly indicates that oxygen gets bounded by, uh, to hemoglobin in the lung surface and gets dissociated uh, at the uh, tissues. Every 100 ml of oxygenated blood can deliver around 5 milliliters of O2 to the tissues under normal physiological conditions. Transport of carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is carried by hemoglobin as carbamino hemoglobin about 20 to 25%. They, and this binding is related to partial pressure of CO2. O, PO2 is a major factor which could affect this binding. When C, PCO2 is high and PO2 is low as in the tissues, more bi uh, binding of carbon dioxide occurs whereas when, when the PCO2 is low and PO2 is high as in the alveoli dissociation of CO2 from carbaminohemoglobin takes place that is CO2 which is bound to hemoglobin from the tissues is delivered at the alveoli. RBCs contain, contain a very high concentration of enzyme carbonic anhydrase and minute quantities of the same is present in the plasma too. The, in this enzyme facilitates the following reaction in both directions. At tissue sites where, uh, where partial pressure of carbon dioxide is high due to catabolism, CO2 de diffuses into blood, RBCs and plasma, and forms HCO3 and H+. At the alveolar site where PCO2 is low, the, um, the reaction proceeds in the opposite direction leading to the formation of the CO2 and H2. The CO2 trapped as um, bicarbonate at the tissue level and transported to the uh, alve alveoli is released out as carbon dioxide. Every 100 milliliter of deoxygenated um, uh, blood delivers as, um, approximately 4 milliliters of carbon dioxide to the alveoli. Regulation of respiration. Human beings have a significant ability to maintain and moderate the respiratory rhythm to suit the demands of body tissues. This is done by neural system. 
a specialized center present in the medulla region of the brain called respiratory rhythm center is primarily responsible for the in this regulation another center present in the pons region of respiratory rhythm center um, pons region of the brain called pneumotaxic center can moderate the functions of the respiratory rhythm center neural signals from um, from this center can, uh, can reduce the duration of inspiration and therefore thereby alter the uh, respiratory rate the chemosensitive areas is situated ad uh, adjacent to uh, to the respiratory uh, rhythm center which is highly sensitive to co2 and hydrogen ions increase in these substances can active uh, activate this center which in, uh, which in turn can signal the rhythm center to make necessary adjustments in the respiratory process to which they in uh, this substances can be eliminated respirate uh, receptors associated with artery aortic arc and carotid artery also can recognize changes in co2 and h plus concentration and send necessary signals to the rhythm center for remedial actions and the groups of role of oxygen in the regulation of respiratory rhythm is quite insignificant disorders of respiratory system asthma is a difficulty in breathing causing sneezing um, due to inflammation of bronchi and bronchioles emphysema emphysema is a chronic disorder which is alveolar um, which alveolar walls are da uh, damaged due to which respiratory surface is decreased on uh, one of the major causes of these is cigarette smoking occupational respiratory disorders in general uh, in certain industries especially those involved grinding or stone breaking so much dust is produced that the defense mechanism of the body cannot fully cope up with, uh, with the situation long exposures can, uh, can give rise to inflammation leading to fibrosis and thus causing serious lung damages workers in such industries should wear protective masks so this was the chapter 17 breathing and exchange of gases next time we will start with the chapter number 18 body fluids and circulations thank you for being with me in this journey i hope you enjoyed this podcast thank you